Hello people, humans of Earth, welcome in to episode 2, we haven't been cancelled yet, only because we're in charge of the podcast. Welcome into the R&D Project, I am Will Rab. say hello Dawes. Hello Dawes. wait no, uh, my name is Landon Doan, I am the D of the R&D Project. Project? We- Project, God, yes. Uh, it's been a week ladies and gentlemen, this week has been a month as a matter of fact. It has. But we are glad to be here, episode two of the R&D Project, and much like is often the case when there's a pilot, and then even before they get to episode two, shows make changes, so we're not the R&D Podcast, because it's redundant to call your podcast the so-and-so podcast. Uh, it is the R&D Project, episode two on the Butt Munch Chips uh, radio network. Also in the iTunes store. Be sure to search R&D Project. Yes. Uh, excited about that. It is in iTunes. And hey, Dawes, I'm excited. I finally got off of my, my lazy backside. And the podcast that we've been doing for the station, which is mostly my shows, because it's a music station, so there's not a lot of other stuff that is podcast-worthy. It is soon going to be in iTunes. Oh, there you go. Congratulations, buddy. Been paying Podcast Garden to have, you know, the ability to very easily be on iTunes for the better part of the year. <laughs> well, if you're paying for it, you should definitely use it. Just like uh, if you're listening, TriCast, if you would want to sponsor us, that's the that's the service that we use. TriCast, check it out. Yeah, TriCast is great. It does a lot of the same stuff that that we do over there. So. Uh, I found out why maybe it took me so long to want to uh, put the work podcast up because it was really, really hard to make a make my my logo that I wanted to use just a stock picture that we had from the station, <laughs> the right one that would make iTunes happy. And it's ugly oh as God. sin right now, but I'm going to design something else eventually. But I just wanted some picture to be there so I could go through the approval process. Uh, so. Well, yeah. and and I and you know the the pains of pleasing iTunes, especially with that image for your podcast. It has to be in these very specific, uh, uh, um, what what's the word I'm looking for? Dimensions. It has to check all these boxes, and if it just happens to be a smidge off, podcast or uh, iTunes gets really upset at you and says no. Yeah, so the Dawes is probably going to be designing because he made the R&D one and, and he kind of knows how to do that. He's probably going to design something for the WCDT Sports uh, podcast. Well, that's so news to the Dawes, but I'll let him know. I, I happen well, to I know fi- the guy. I figured if I just was like, hey, buddy, like, I need a favor. You know your ways around this. Uh, just make me something real quick. Well, and you absolutely know the secret. If you say something while you're recording it and you ask somebody a favor. You have to do it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the law. So, All yeah. right. So anyway, welcome into R&D episode number two. We're glad to be doing this, even if it's just so that. Uh, Landon and I can have a conversation with ourselves and nobody else listens. But <laughs> I, I think eventually, if you give us a chance, I think uh, you will like what we're going to start churning out here. Plenty to talk about on the show today. Uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, food uh, this week, but I also want to talk uh, about a couple things kind of sports related. Uh, so uh, on the docket today, uh, if you don't know, and this is a little bit dated news, but, you know, we got caught up with talking about the weather and, and floating away and all yeah, that. Yeah, update. So Knoxville, uh, Knoxville is now back above water. So, you know. 
until the weekend. Until the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing over here in Southern Middle Tennessee. But uh, Jason Witten uh, decided he wanted to play football again because his CTE must have healed, so he wants oh, some more. Boo, boo rap. I shouldn't say that. I Bad rap. Sorry. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be sarcastic like that. I, I apologize. But uh, former VFL Jason Winton going back to the boys, and thankfully he's out of the Monday Night Football booth. So uh, we'll get around to that, which will lead us into our wrestling discussion for the week because it involves a prominent announcer as well, and some news from Fox. Not sure it's a full return to the Attitude Era, but not surprisingly, Fox wants their wrestling to be edgy. Uh, details on that. Uh, plus, uh, KFC is in the hot tub business. Uh, Heinz is doing weird things with mayonnaise. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna correct you there. Heinz is spitting in the face of God. <laughs> okay, Heinz is spitting in the face of God. We'll get to that. But first, I need an update. So, on the debut episode. I'm going to try my best. We're going to mess this up, but I'm going to try not to date us by saying last week. But on the most recent episode, on the debut episode of R&D, you regaled us with the story of a of ruining a steak. <laughs> yes, actually. And correct. just to give the cliff notes of this, you had bought some really nice ribeyes. Tennessee was playing Kentucky, and they were both top five, so you were going to, you know— uh, cook a piece of meat and do a Ron Swanson impersonation and, and and probably drink some scotch or Jack Daniels or something. You know, some booze. Definitely. And one fell into nature. And while you were <laughs> attending to that one, the other one that was on the Rocket Hot Grill turned into a Rawlings baseball glove. Yes, yes, it did. By the way, pitchers and catchers have already reported. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> so... That led me to wonder, okay, is Dawes going to tempt fate again? Because last weekend, at the time we're recording this podcast, Tennessee and Kentucky were meeting again. And you did not know what the menu was going to be. Although, you know, in fairness, uh, the menu's maybe not quite as extensive when it was, what, a 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock tip-off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was as not it, the 8 o'clock primetime uh, yeah. main event we had a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. This was, yeah, it was not, it was, yeah. So, what did you what, what what did you end up doing? Did you tempt fate and try to you know make another baseball glove? Uh, did you did you go the delivery route? Uh, well, considering uh, the last time I tried to grill and Tennessee and Kentucky met on the hardwood, Kentucky blew the doors off of the falls. I shut down Grill City. Grill City was closed on game day because uh, I just want to point out. Anytime I grill and Tennessee plays basketball, they lose. They are 0 and 1. So uh, you're welcome, uh, Vol Nation. I decided to get drive-through for there you. you. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What type of drive-through? Oh, the Chick Fil A. Ah, there you go. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. I got me, got me a spicy chicken sandwich uh, combo meal, uh, medium fries, large drink though. That's a little little secret right there. Uh, and then uh, then got a uh, got some uh, grilled nugs for later. So, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Dude, you, can, you can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. No, you, you can't. Unless it's Sunday, then you absolutely can go wrong on Chick-fil-A. Well, you can't go wrong. You just can't have it. Well, I think I mean, that's I, wrong yeah. because I want it and I want it now. I'm an American, Ch- damn it. Chick-fil-A is so good. This is, it's just amazing the attention this got this week when people noticed that in 
highly Catholic populated areas, Chick-fil-A was like, hey, we're going to start cooking fish sandwiches. Yeah, and, and I did not realize that Chick-fil-A did that, but apparently this has kind of been something that they've been doing for years on the low key. Like, uh, if, uh, you know, I think that's very cool that Chick-fil-A is offering a fillet, or a fish fillet if, you know, you just want to go that route due to religious regions. I think that's cool. Or just because, you know, if you make it well, a fish sandwich is delicious, not the the McDonald's one, but you know, I am curious how Chick Fil A does a uh, uh, fish sandwich because everything else they do is really good. So I would love to try one of these uh, fish fillets from Chick Fil A. I, I might have to. I might have to go try that out here soon before the the Lenten season ends. Well, well, you'll have to give us an update. By the way, uh, I have an update on a new okay. uh, new drink that's out. Uh, Coca Cola has decided here recently to introduce uh, the Coke. Uh, with vanilla orange flavoring in it. And I tried one, and I am happy to report it's terrible. Really? It is awful. And I have a 12-pack of it. Correction, I have 11 cans of it left. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so... I, I, I could, in, in full honesty, I could see like just like regular Coke and vanilla being really good. Well, the, well like, they, make, makes they, sense. they make vanilla Coke. They make vanilla Coke. And, and it's pretty okay. And I could even see, like, I think, you know, it was more the diet variety, but I think they made, like, lemon Diet Coke or, like, lime Diet Coke, and I could see that being okay. Diet Coke with lime was good. I was a big fan of that. I can't see how anybody thought, you know what would be really good? Orange vanilla Coke. And, and like, they they say it's supposed to be like drinking a creamsicle. Well, if that's what you think a creamsicle tastes like, y'all need to... A, check your taste buds, and then B, check uh, check the creamsicles you're buying, because it did not taste like a creamsicle. That, that's unfortunate, I will have to say, because one of my favorite things to do when you go to a place that has it is definitely play around with the freestyle fountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those those are cool, but uh, I would not recommend the canned version of Coke Orange Vanilla, or however they end up calling it. One out of five stars would not recommend. All right, so... <laughs> It's time for Did You Know here on the R&D Podcast. Who is it, Project? Is this going to be a uh, uh, <laughs> a new segment? It will be when I don't have a better transition to transition to something I want to talk about. <laughs> so, as we were talking about uh, Chick-fil-A selling uh, fish sandwiches, uh, Popeyes, if you've noticed in the commercials recently, we watch a lot of TV and we think about fast food here at R&D. Uh, is advertising, hey, come get these scrimps, which means that for the people who are Catholic and observe, they're not supposed to eat meat on Fridays uh, because it's the Lenten season, which means it was, of course, preceded by the greatest party on earth, Mardi Gras. Your did you know, did you know there is a Mardi Gras celebration in Huntsville, Alabama? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Now, the it, things you learn right here on the R&D Project. Absolutely. Now, I'm look, nothing matches New Orleans. And no, Mobile did not invent Mardi Gras. I don't care what they say. The real Mardi Gras is in New Orleans. <laughs> Wait, is Mobile actually trying to make that claim that they invented Mardi Gras? Oh, uh, we had Mardi Gras parades before. Well, guess what? Guess where everybody goes. <laughs> guess what everybody thinks. So I am I am happy to report, and you were impressed by this because I, I sent out a pic while you were watching uh, Tennessee 
Molly Wap, Kentucky, where your delicious chick filet. I sent you the uh, pic of my view from the office, which was at a, a lovely bar in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, not a bad view Where they view were from nice the enough, believe it or not, because I think everybody enjoys watching Kentucky get their butt whipped, to put on the Tennessee game, which I thought, hey, this could be an issue in a bar in Alabama. They might not want to play Tennessee basketball, but they were cool about it, which is fantastic. Well, that's nice. And so yeah, we got to watch. We got to watch uh, the wife and I got to watch Tennessee demolish Kentucky while eating delicious fried seafood. And then they had a little Mardi Gras parade. And we even caught beads. So good to know that Huntsville, uh, Alabama is for the culture now. They must be. They must be really you know taking Roy Wood uh, to heart. <laughs> that or a bunch of uh, culture moved into the area, and, and yes. they're just like uh, y'all realize. Uh, We've already gone through the 20th century, so come on, let's let's catch up a little. Hey, bit. y'all need to get, y'all need to get caught up with this. Any excuse you can have to have a party, let's let's get behind it. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, by the way, speaking of a party, uh, I'm going to pour myself some more podcast juice, and for this episode, uh, my podcast juice is old number seven out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. Hey, it didn't float away. It did not float away. <laughs> and then also, maybe even more interesting to you was the uh, the post parade celebration. Who knew they had a Awesome barcade in Huntsville. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. In Huntsville, Alabama, right? Yeah, dude, there's a legit barcade. A barcade. Oh, yeah. And this isn't like seven rows of nothing but like uh, Big Game Hunter and Golden Tea, right? No. Oh, wow, look at that, Okay. Okay. I don't even. I, it's been a. It's been a minute since I've been in Knoxville, so I don't know if this establishment is, is open. But you were uh, familiar with the Fort Sanders Yacht Club. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, puts it to shame. Wow. Yeah. That's saying something. No, I we didn't. I had I had one beer. Uh, we didn't order food. Uh, we played games for about an hour. It was pretty crowded. It was a popular place to be after the parade. So. Yeah, that's the, that's one thing I've noticed. Whether wherever you find these barcades, they always seem to have a lot of people in them. But I mean, you you saw some pictures. I sent you. I sent you some pictures of a couple of the games, including the Holy Grail, the Simpsons. Yes, and like, okay, yeah, I know a few years ago they released it on Xbox Live Arcade or Marketplace and the PlayStation Store, but it was a stand-up arcade machine with the original artwork. Oh, it was so beautiful! Like, like if if you could see the hair on my arms, ladies and gentlemen, they are standing at attention. Every single one of them. Just thinking about it. So happy to report this is this is interesting, man. The wife and I have discovered this since relocating back to Southern Middle Tennessee. Because when we first got back, it was oh, let's you know go find something to do in Nashville. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we can go and we can see a sounds game, or you know, if we if we sell our kidney this week, we can afford Preds tickets. <laughs> but we'll go hang out in Nashville or whatever. And then slowly, what we discovered, Huntsville's so much better. That's it. Wait, 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 wait. Huntsville, Let me explain. Alabama, it, better. No, it's not the Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, Nashville's an all-time great city, and it is the it city right now. Like NASCAR is going to have their banquet here. The NFL draft is in less than two months. Na- Nashville, on its surface, is a better city than Huntsville. But if you if you don't want to pay an arm and a leg to do things, and you don't want to have to fight traffic to do everything, okay, I'm starting to see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Then, then Huntsville's for you. So, plus, also, they, have a bu- uh, plus oh. they have a bunch of like cool 
uh, bars with good craft beer and they're really getting into, hey, let's just have any excuse for a party. Let's have a Mardi Gras parade. Let's have St. Patrick's Day. You know. Well, and plus, isn't Space Camp there? Space Camp is there. Yeah, and I say that as a two-time Space Camp Alabama alumnus and a one-time Space Camp Florida alumnus. All right, yeah. so now that we're uh, caught up on the weekend, because, again, thankfully, last weekend was relatively dry. Relatively. <laughs> relatively dry. You didn't burn any steaks. I cooked a steak and tested all my smoke detectors, which was smart, because now I don't have to do it this weekend when the time goes forward. Oh, yeah, we do got to do that. Damn it. Yeah. So, if you're going to reverse sear a steak, might I suggest that you buy, like, 14 box fans and put them in your <laughs> I feel like you learned from experience, and I would like for you to tell that. <laughs> okay, so I've been wa- I, I've, I've had this nice, like, pound and a half ribeye mm. that we got from Aldi. And that's what we do now is we just find, like, a good pound and a half ribeye because you can cut it in half and you can slice it and you can have two nice eight nine ounce steaks instead of having to buy two steaks and so i was like i'm gonna reverse sear this bad boy so i I put it in the oven and i follow the directions and i got it from the food network from a chef on the food network who i know is reputable and everything right so i'm baking the steak he gets to the temperature where he says to take it out and I was kind of apprehensive about this a little bit, but I thought, okay, yeah, look, seriously, this this guy's like a chef. He's on the Food Network. He knows exactly what the hell he's talking about. He says, get your cast iron skillet, put it on high, and let it get hot for 10 minutes until it's like face of the sun hot. And then put the steak in there. <laughs> I've never seen so much smoke. There was more smoke coming out of that pan than a Snoop Dogg concert. God dang. Well, and, and the way you described it, hot as the sun pan, I have never heard anything described like that. He actually said, hey, like, get you an infrared thermometer, put like, heat the pan to 600 degrees. Holy now, it made Lord. a delicious steak. It was perfectly medium rare. Delicious, nice crust, everything you want when you reverse sear a steak. So I didn't make a baseball glove. <laughs> but again... It, it, it looked like Cypress Hill had came over for dinner. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, maybe if Cypress Hill oh. did come over, uh, you'd be able to eat that pound and a half of steak you cooked. <laughs> Holy Lord. Well, if you, like I said, if, Cut if we it buy in a half, pound I and a half steak yeah. and, and the wife has half and I have the other half, then we each have a nine-ounce steak or something roughly like that, ten-ounce ten steak. So now that we've caught up on food and the stupid things we've done and and we've highlighted the Huntsville uh, apparent thriving bar scene. Who knew? Oh, dude, yeah. And a a few weeks ago, we had gone to a a, a brew fest similar to Brewer's Jam that they had at the Von Braun Center. So basically Brewer's Jam, but inside. Okay, I like that. (laughs) And you would think, oh, well, there's not going to be all that, not that much local craft beer, right? No, dude. Apparently, all the astronauts and the NASA people are just all about making craft beer in their spare time. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm glad they're finally putting their skills to use. <laughs> I mean, now that we're basically, no. <laughs> basically, you know, just going to pay Elon Musk to take us to space, I mean, the NASA people might as well just make beer. But but I, I thought we were going to start Space Force. Um, 
I'm not even touching that. I... <laughs> I've seen Starship Troopers. I know what's up. We're going to go th- fight bugs in space, Rab. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, you're listening to the R&D Podcast. <laughs> I'm Will Rab. He's Landon Doan. Daz, what do you want to do first? Uh, you want to talk about the affront to God or the chicken hot tub? Um, let's start with the chicken hot tub because, like, like I said, uh, there is a certain condiment company that has spat in the face of God, and yes. you know, if I'm saying that, like, that's what we call a tease. So there we go. let's 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 you know. All right, this uh, from ABC Thirty News, Fresno, California. Which is just the first website that came up because this is some press release that KFC probably wrote. Usually when you go to KFC, you see and smell chicken frying in hot oil, but now the company is looking to help humans based in hot water at not quite so scalding temperatures meet the Kentucky Fried Hot Tub. <laughs> they, have made, you know, they have made a hot tub, and it's kind of like one of the old school looking hot tubs. Yeah, it definitely and looks like I don't like know if you can schools. actually buy this or not, or this is just really good uh, marketing. But it looks like a bucket of KFC. Uh, apparently, uh, you can go on Indiegogo. Uh, there is a crowdsourcing site for that because I have pulled up the article you found. Yep. And, uh, let's see. Indiegogo is loading. Let's see. Oh, no. Only $285 have been raised so far of the $46,000 goal. So From the, the KFC Innovations Lab. <laughs> <laughs> and we were remarking earlier before we went on the air that the and you can see him now, Dawes. You're looking at this as I'm looking at this. The guy they chose to model the KFC hot tub, which is also I'm guessing I don't know if it. it we had to get to this in a minute. I'm not sure if it is or envi- is or is it environmentally friendly. Uh, the guy modeling the hot tub looks like David Cross, aka Tobias <laughs> Funke, the world's first anaurapist. Yes, yes. <laughs> also, uh, renowned uh, never nude. Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, as this well picture. as the fantastic anus tart. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, new season of Arrested Development, or second they, yeah. part of new season coming soon on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I see the I see the picture. Totally looks like uh, Tobias. We can only assume that he has his uh, denim uh, cutoffs in the hot tub. Um, looking at the Indiegogo, uh, apparently this is going to be limited to. Three, but you have to pledge thirteen thousand three hundred and eleven dollars if you want to claim one of one of three Kentucky Fried hot tubs. And I do want to point out, Rab. I don't know if you've noticed on the picture, this hot tub has an exhaust. I was getting there. <laughs> like this is the type of hot tub when you put it in your backyard, your neighbors are going to look at it and be like, "That thing is going to tear ass around this neighborhood." <laughs> oh. You know why it has an exhaust? Uh, I do because I'm reading the I'm reading the notes. But please lay it on us. The listeners don't because they can't see a podcast. I know that's why I said lay it on. Oh, it's a it's a wood fired hot tub. Wow, that is or wood or I'm guessing gas some sort. It burn it burns a fire. The the terminology is wood fired thermo. Thermosiphoning heating technology. Good luck editing that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to. Oh, I know. I heard last week's episode. 
<laughs> I'm disappointed. I got to be honest, because I really thought the Colonel would choose the you know clean burning sweet lady propane. Yeah, um, somewhere in uh, Texas, Hank Hill is really pissed and probably uh, gonna tell him a thing or two. I tell you what. How old would Hank Hill be right now in 2019? Better question. Would he be dead? Better question. How old would Homer Simpson be in 2019? What Homer age Sim- is Lisa in in 2019? <laughs> Lisa Simpson has been in the second grade for like 30 years. And she's a genius. The continuality problems of of cartoons. Yeah, but that's why they're the best and way better than real life. So, yeah, dude, you going to go buy you one of these Kentucky Fried Chicken hot tubs? Well, if I didn't already own a hot tub, I would say yes, but I own a hot tub. Here's the the main question I have. Do I get a packet, like a gravy packet? (laughs) To put in the hot tub? Yeah, I can take a bath in KFC gravy. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you could. Cleanup's going to be a bitch, though. (laughs) I mean, all I can think of now is Cartman cutting a dude on that episode of South Park because they mixed the KFC gravy with the Boston Market gravy to stretch it. Uh, so yeah, for what what do you say the price thirteen thousand something dollars for the for the low low price of thirteen thousand three hundred and eleven dollars one of three Kentucky Fried hot tubs can be yours. But if that's a little bit too pricey for your blood, for only twenty dollars you can get something called a three D puffy sticker pack for fifty dollars, a limited edition T shirt because who doesn't want to pay fifty bucks for a T shirt? And here's the kicker. $60 for a limited edition pair of KFC Lab Innovation sweatpants. All right, you want to hear some of the other things that KFC Innovations Lab has campaigned for in Indiegogo? Yes. A picnic with the Colonel picnic table. Ooh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Is this just like a picnic table, or do you get to eat with the Colonel at this picnic table? It's a cardboard stand-up. It's a cardboard picnic table, and it's a cardboard kernel. Well, that's kind of disappointing. And they were trying to raise $32,000, and they've raised 140 so clearly this is all about marketing. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think KFC Innovation Lab, they might be innovative, not so great on their money. <laughs> a smart cane. So, like, the kernel's cane, but it makes your TV do things. It's a remote. Okay, I'm on board with this. How much? Oh, let's see. $195,000. Whoa, okay. Is what they're trying to raise. That seems a little pricey for a smart remote, even if it is a, a cane. I mean... And they're using the same David Cross lookalike. <laughs> Are we sure it's not David Cross? Yes. Okay, all right. Well, I saw the, I saw his arms, and I didn't see David Cross's tattoos. I know that <laughs> David Cross has tattoos. A little kernel locator, which I guess is like a, a GPS bolo tie. Oh, my God. They've actually raised almost $1,300 for this. Fifteen people have donated of their 10000 that they need to make this happen. Man, they're almost there. I mean, they're practically right there. Embedded Bluetooth location tracking technology. And then finally, the Colonel... <laughs> wait, 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 back up, back up. So KFC can track you, I'm <laughs> guessing. Bluetooth. 
into your bow tie. Be like, sir, we see him going to the Burger King. Uh, send shock bolts uh, to, to redirect him to KFC now. <laughs> yeah, they can use the Bluetooth to put the chicken smell. You know, and make you have, and then finally, actually, I'd be this, on board with that if it could if it could emit uh, some uh, KFC smells right into my face. I'd sign up for that. The Colonel on Ice ice skating show. Okay, we need to make this happen. Come on, humanity. We've this gone through some stuff, and you know what would make everything better? You know what would be the ultimate healing salve? The Colonel on Ice. Come on, we need to make this happen. The real-life story of Colonel Harlan Sanders told by real-life people wearing ice skates. Wait, wait, wait. Are they just wearing ice skates, or are they going to be on a rink skating while they tell the story? Well, when they raise their $2,206,750, we can find out. All right, well, come on, guys. we got to do this. We need to find out together. Rab, you have two point two million lying around, right? Come on, let's it's do this. Somewhere let's in the make backyard, this happen. Maybe. They promise the show will feature professional ice skaters, Wilford. costumes, backdrops, and props. A venue somewhere in America. A narrator to help explain things, explain what ha- what's happening. I volunteer for that. And then ice skaters dressed like people from the Colonel's life and delicious fried chicken. I mean, that's all well and good, but if we're spending $2.2 million, like, I'm expecting professional ice skaters. I'm expecting professional costumes. And, I, and I, Rab, I think it's really generous of you to volunteer, but if I'm paying $2.2 million for the life and story of Colonel Sanders on ice, I want Morgan Freeman to narrate this bitch. Harlan Sanders always had a knack for frying chicken. Okay, so for $1.1 million, we can get you to do a Morgan Freeman impression. (laughs) (laughs) It was the sweetest gravy he ever ate. And Will Rab to cash that check faster than I'd ever seen anybody cash a check before. (laughs) Speaking of cashing checks, maybe ones they can't write, uh, Heinz is affronting God. Wow, like like flying close to the sun, so close that your wings melt and you plummet back to the face of the earth. Heinz, you have to ask yourself, just because you have the ability to do it, should you do it? And this is, is the a, answer to that usually no? Yeah, the answer is almost always no. And uh, in this situation... The answer is also no, because uh, apparently a little bit ago, Heinz put out something called a mayo cup, which is a combination of mayonnaise and mustard, which is close, close. Um, Mayo cup is the combination of mayo and ketchup. Mayo and ketchup. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That that was the originator. You're talking about what it spawned, because apparently mayo cup was so popular Heinz has decided to release a combination of mayonnaise and mustard and mayonnaise and barbecue. And they call one Mayo Must, and they call the other one Mayo Q. And I call both of them an affront on God. All right, let me be honest, right? So I'm not sure. I'm definitely out on the Mayo Mustard. The Mayo Q would be interesting because barbecue sauce is basically feisty ketchup. (laughs) 
Mayo Cup. Let me explain to you what Mayo Cup is, folks. So you know when you go to you, you know when you go to the, the the place with the arches. I've heard McDonald's, of McDonald's. Whatever. Yeah. We're just we're just gonna plug places. It's not Whack like we Arnold's. Have <laughs> Whack Arnold's. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the secret sauce that they put on your uh, hamburger. <laughs> it's Russian dressing. That's why I like it. I get two of them every time I go there, and I'm a good boy. I get two. Okay, and Russian dressing is ketchup, mustard, a dash of mustard, and a little bit of mayonnaise with, I think, some sort of relish in it. Well, that's not a secret if you know it. Yeah. Or Thousand Island dressing is mayonnaise and ketchup and chunks in it. Like pickles. Yeah, and all of that is gross. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But it's also, okay, so when you go, I grew up, my family was from Louisiana. We'd go down there to the visitor. We'd bring seafood up here. They would make seafood dip to dip your seafood in. And it's basically not fancy remoulade sauce. It's ketchup and mustard and mayonnaise. So this whole mayo chup thing, like I would sit there and you'd see kids in in school or whatever and they'd figure out hey it tastes really good when you mix mayonnaise and ketchup together and I'm just like well no crap dude Cajun people who make some of the best food on earth dip their seafood in this so of course it's delicious yeah well and and like I I think I have to uh, cede to you on this one because because I have the palate of a seven year old you know nothing but chicken nuggets and M&Ms and gummy worms, but it's like, like I, dude, no, like, like I cannot get on board with this. I can't get on. I'm not sure about the mayo and mustard. Again, I'm not sure. I need the mayo and the barbecue sauce mixed together. Uh, mayonnaise and ketchup is is mixed together works very well. Which, by the it's way, salad dre- it, It's salad dressing base. Like again, like okay, everybody has different tastes for their salad dressing, but it's. Thousand, it's the base for Thousand Island salad dressing. It's, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. But well, again, I'm not really sure why they're making mayonnaise barbecue sauce, and I definitely don't know what I would put mayonnaise and mustard mixed together on. Yeah, like, like this is one of these things where I wish we had, like, uh, somebody like Leslie Nope in our life who immediately came up with the use for Salgert uh, when somebody questioned it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, honestly... Here, here's the one thing I'm worried about. I'm wondering, not worried about, but I'm wondering here if we're we're just being too presumptuous about those. Like, if you make a sandwich, like let's say you go down to Subway, or wherever you want to get a sandwich from, Lenny's, Jimmy John's, you know, your sub shop of choice. The kitchen, because you're broke. Sorry, go ahead. The kitchen, yeah. <laughs> I got some. I got. I got some roast beef in the fridge right now. There you go. Hey, I'm gonna make a roast beef sandwich. So obviously, I'm gonna put some spicy brown mustard on it because you know, mm-hmm. spicy brown mustard's the best. Yeah. Now, again, you say you have the palate of a seven-year-old. I don't know if you like mayonnaise or not. I actually some don't. don't. Some people don't like mayonnaise. Yeah, I think I think mayonnaise is kind of a garbage condiment. So you're out on all of these anyway. Cause yeah. You don't so like mayonnaise. Okay. Yeah. If if we're being completely honest, yeah, I, I'm I'm out on everything. <laughs> That said, this is still an abomination to God. 
I think it's weird that it's like all mixed together in the bottle because I don't know about like the ratios of stuff. Although part of me wants to try the mayo cube because, like I said, barbecue sauce is just feisty ketchup. And I know that mayonnaise and ketchup works. Just FYI, anytime I look at barbecue sauce from now on in my mind, <laughs> it's going to be feisty ketchup. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad I spawned something. And we're gonna, we, can make sh- we can make shirts now. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. We'll make R&D shirts with dumb things that we say, and mine's going to be... You know, barbecue sauce is just feisty ketchup. Hey, well, you know what? I mean, that's that's all the merchandise for podcasts is. I mean, I'm on another <laughs> podcast, Quick Shut Up, Monday Morning Monorail. There's a t-shirt with my face on it that proclaims me the godfather of chicken nugget. <laughs> the godfather of chicken nugget. So to get that joke, you got to go listen to that podcast. But yeah, we Here's got merch. The, 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 the thing I'm trying to figure out, because again, I know mayonnaise and ketchup go together well. Mayonnaise and barbecue sauce might work. There's this thing that I think is an abomination, Alabama-style white barbecue sauce, which is mayonnaise and vinegar and spices and stuff. Um, and, like, if I make a sandwich, I, I'm a mayo fan, so I will totally make a sandwich, and I will put some mayonnaise and some mustard on there, and it all seems to go together well. But at the same time, they're not, like, blended together. So, you know, you get a little bite of mayonnaise and you get a little bite of mustard. So I'm just wondering, like, what am I supposed to use mayo must for? Hmm. Um, there has Is to it, be some sandwich that we're that we're not thinking about that that would be the perfect topping for. By the way, you should go straight to hell if you put mayo must on a hot dog. Oh God, yeah, uh, no, no, don't go directly to hell. Go to jail first, then you can go to hell. <laughs> because you. You should. There, there are rules, and look, if people want to break the rules, fine. They're going to go to jail and go to hell. <laughs> jail hell, we'll call it. Yeah. Isn't that where Thor's from? I no, think so. Yeah. We'll have to ask him next week when he's on the show. Mm-hmm. There you go. By the way, book Thor. Not, not whichever Helmsworth plays him in the movies. Oh, come on. You, it's Chris and you know it. I I actually blanked I actually blanked on that for a second. Um, hey, if we want to get into some uh, comic book movies, I did just get out of seeing Captain Marvel. I can give you a spoiler free review if you'd like. We'll have to see how the show progresses. If we spend another forty minutes talking about condiments, then we might not have time this. Okay, week. fine then. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to I'll try to save you five minutes. Okay. Um. You are a bad person if you put anything other than mustard and if you like it, relish on a hot dog. I'm talking about like a regular hot dog. If you make chili dogs, like chili dogs with like chili and cheese on them, like I'm a fan of that okay. till the the day the day I die. And it'll probably be because I ate too many chili dogs in my life. <laughs> but like we're just talking like, hey, we're at the ballpark. We're watching. We're taking a nine-inning vacation. We're gonna go to the concession stand and get a couple, you know, wieners. Tea. Keep it simple, dude. Spicy brown mustard, relish, maybe a couple onions, depending on your your taste preferences. Mustard only for me over here. Well, yeah, dude, because like you said, you, you're you're a seven-year-old. You don't like to run anything through the garden. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but pre-processed food for Landon. Yeah, so yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I'm still kind of confused by these. Like, I know mayo chup is good because I've been eating it my whole life. Although, 
the mayo chup I'm looking at in this picture that Heinz tweeted out. It's not the right. It, it, it's too pink looking, so there's not the right balance of mayonnaise and mustard, uh, or or semi mayonnaise and, and ketchup. Uh, but you know that's because I have refined taste because. I eat, like, good Cajun food. By the way, Mayo Cues, that's the wrong name. Like, Heinz, you should have gone for Barbronaise. Barbronaise, so much better. <laughs> yep. It's a condiment. It also sounds like a, like a cologne that 80-year-old men wear. <laughs> Barbronaise. <laughs> for the smell to make you remember. Oh, Don't look. smell like Walter. <laughs> that's a great commercial, uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. Talk about good marketing. I have, a, I have a lot of advertising on the brain because uh, the wife and I just started watching Mad Men. Oh, there you which go. I don't know where you're at on that show. Um, I watched almost all of season one, and this was when it was still uh, ongoing, and then On Demand took it off, and I just never got around to watch it. I know it's all on Netflix, but it's like, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like, if... If, if I'm going to throw on Netflix, I'm going to watch The Office or Parks and Rec for the 9,000th time. Can I confess something here in the safe space of the podcast? Yes, absolutely. I cannot get into The Office. And, like, I've put episodes on. I understand it's a really, really? good show. I'm not going to argue with anybody and be like, oh, well, The Office sucks. It's crap. Right? No, I can. Like, you look at the cast and you look at people like Steve Carell and, like, I've seen some of the clips and the memes and I don't know if I've not watched enough episodes because, you know, a lot of times shows start and they're just get kind of slow to get yeah, rolling. Yeah, they got to ramp up, yeah. Like Parks and Rec is better <laughs> once Adam Scott shows up. Let's be honest. Like, I love Parks and Rec. I wear a mouse rat hoodie, like, around Knoxville all the time. So, FYI, if you see a guy in a mouse rat hoodie, it's me. You can throw the entire first season of Parks and Rec out the window. All you need to know is uh, Leslie Nope works for the Parks Department. Andy fell in the pit, and then she kissed Mark at the end of season one. That's it. I fell in the pit. Hey, this is the second episode in a row we've talked about Andy falling in the pit. <laughs> uh, that's probably going to happen every episode. I'm okay with that. By the way, uh, if any member of Parks and Rec would like to appear on the R&D project, we're open. Yeah, we can send you a TriCast invitation. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I just I've not gotten into it. Like I've tried to watch it. Like I've tried to watch a few episodes, and like hmm. I just maybe I just got to keep going with it. See, I don't like know. like my ex was the same way, and the reason that she said she couldn't get into it, though eventually me and a bunch of my friends just browbeated her into watching it, and she got to the point where she liked it. I don't know if that was she actually liked it or she just said I like it now back the f off but um is it the cringe humor because for her like watching particularly michael scott would make her uncomfortable because he was just so cringeworthy no i just i don't think i've watched enough episodes for it to ramp up yet like i've put on an episode or two because like it's on netflix or it's on comedy central all the time mm -hmm. it is literally on comedy central all the time <laughs> yeah so i just maybe i'm not like it's not i've not watched enough for it to ramp up yet like you know what i mean mm -hmm. oh like, yeah i the definitely the first get that. few episodes are just kind of slow and i'm like okay like i know this is supposed to be funny but i just don't get it yet when it's like as somebody who's watched uh the uh office all the way through more times than i can count like the early episodes they are still trying to like feel out what they want to do who these characters are but like i feel like once they hit their stride like right 
once they hit their stride right up until Michael Scott leaves, like I like like that stuff is untouchable for me. Like I love that part of the office. It took me the second time starting Parks and Rec to like like Parks and Rec. Like I remember like because that first ep- that first season's like weird. Like it's only like six or eight episodes. Yeah, it's it was it was a six episode first season because it was a mid season replacement. Yeah, so like I remember watching a few episodes because you had recommended it, and then like I didn't watch it for like a year, and then I was like, "Oh, Parks and Rec is good. I need to start that again." Well, and plus, it's it, it's interesting you made reference to the first season of Parks and Rec. By the way, we're we're hard pivoting to this now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the first season of Parks and Rec, they're still trying to shoot it much like The Office, where it's this mockumentary where they're, you know, playing to the camera all the time, and season two is where they really move away from, you know, mugging for the camera like Jim does every time he pranks Dwight. Now, they still do, you know, cutaway stand-ups where they talk directly to the camera, but it feels like in season two they stop trying to be another version of The Office, and they... And they just lean into all the crazy characters and the world of Pawnee. That's when the show really takes off. Yes, yeah. It gets good in season two. And then, like I said, especially when they get into the the, the budget stuff and uh, mm-hmm. once, like, Adam you, Scott shows mm-hmm. up. Yeah, Adam Scott and Rob Lowe, once those characters are introduced, it's like, okay, this is the cast. And Mark Brandanowitz, it's like, uh, we hardly knew you. <laughs> I, always thought that was, I always thought that was so weird that they just, like, gave up on that character whatever apparently the uh and i could be completely wrong but uh i remember reading apparently the guy that played mark brandanowitz uh wanted to go do something else or it might have been uh the writers saw the way the show was going with the rest of the cast and just realized that mark was kind of the odd man out yeah 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 it's 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 always interesting how stuff like that goes. Uh, speaking of of odd men out, since we're kind of transitioning to entertainment stuff, because we did the first half of the show on food, <laughs> which is probably going to be a theme, because again I can smell it right now, even though I'm upstairs in my lair. Yep. Uh, which is what eventually is going to be my office slash man cave, but we moved in December and I just haven't built out the man cave yet. Um. So I literally have a folding table and like a folding chair. And a, and a laptop. Hey, dude, I'm sitting on my bed <laughs> with a laptop and a USB headset. Like I, yeah, like I, have, I have a folding table and I have a folding chair that, like, you could take, like, if you needed to do, like, a, uh, an on-location broadcast. And it's my office. And I can smell carnitas. But uh, speaking of, of odd man out or odd situation or awkward or just plain awful, maybe, uh, along the lines of mayonnaise and mustard mixed together in a jar. The Monday Night Football booth did not work last year. No. Now, Monday Night Football really doesn't work anymore because they don't get any good ball games. Uh, Because the dynamics of how TV work. And despite what you may think, the numbers show the most watched football program Every week is either CBS or Fox showing their game at 4.30 in the afternoon. Which makes sense because people aren't sick of football yet and it's usually the best game of the week. Monday Night Football is like ninth on that totem pole, but uh, interesting to come out. This came out like maybe the day we recorded the, the, the pilot episode, Dawes, I don't remember. But no more Jason Witten in the Monday Night Football booth. Yeah, that was kind of a surprising announcement. Not only is he leaving the Monday Night Football booth, that might not be 
super surprising if you were paying attention, like Rab said, uh, this past season. He's leaving the booth to go back onto the field with his old team. Jason Witten's returning to what I'm assuming being the star- starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I'm, I'm a Vol fan and I want all VFLs to succeed in whatever they do. But it's like, it was not easy to listen to Jason Witten at some points in the Monday night football booth this season. And you know what? Like, I don't think that was all on him. I think ESPN did him a disservice because you have to remember this is the first broadcasting job he had ever had. Ever. And they threw him into the Monday night football booth. And okay, yes, uh, ratings might show it's not the most watched game of the week, but in the in the public eye, it's the marquee game of the week. Now, yeah. especially in the last, I guess, decade or so of the NFL where there's been more parody than there used to be at like ESPN and Monday night football in particular has been hit with some, you know, really rough matchups. It's like this here, we got random garbage, like, you know, the Eagles versus the Jaguars. Is, is, is that moving the needle for anybody on Monday night? Answer is no. But at the same time, it's like, <sighs> I wanted Jason Witten to succeed because, you know, VFL, all that good stuff, but it's like, that was not his strong suit, and if he still feels like he still has gas in the tank and wants to get back out there and play football, go for it, because you have to remember, all these football players are very well aware, they only have so many hits or so many miles on the odometer until they're done, or their body says they're done. So, you know what, if he thinks he can get back out there and do it and contribute, go for it, go 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 back out there and try and win that Super Bowl because it's like I do think the Cowboys could have used Jason Witten last year because they got almost nothing production wise from the tight end position. Because I mean, like, think on the offensive side of the ball, especially after they traded for Amari Cooper. You have Amari Cooper on the outside, you have Ezekiel Elliott, who arguably might be the best running back in the NFL, full stop. And then you have Dak Prescott, who is a great young quarterback. If you were to give him that safety blanket of Jason Witten, who's going to be, you know, hanging out uh, anywhere from 8 to 15 yards somewhere in the middle, what's not to say their season might not have gone a little different? Now, I'm not saying Jason Witten or not, they would have beaten the Rams in the playoffs. But at the same time, I do think Jason Witten still can contribute and produce on on, I mean, maybe not to, you know, his all-pro level like he was back in the day, but he can still definitely bring some stuff to the Cowboys. I think this is a great move for everybody involved, and especially, I think this might this might have been a fortuitous or an answered prayer for ESPN because it saved them from having to sit Jason down and be like, look, we thought this was going to work, but we were wrong because I don't know if there was any way Jason Witten could have come back after that season because like I am I am a Jason Witten fan like like I almost named my cat Witten that's how big of a Jason Witten fan I am but I just like like that was not good yeah and this is a very interesting move from a lot of aspects I think for the sake of this podcast seeing as I do have a sports show and maybe even in general more interesting for me because I'm a broadcasting nerd like I, I like studying the science of, of broadcasting not just because it's my career it's, it's interesting to me um there are a lot of dynamics at play for espn uh 
as far as the NFL goes, like if they ever don't have the ESPN or, or the NFL, I'm not sure ESPN can continue to exist. Um, yeah. Simply because it just deflates uh, their value so much, even though they are basically the home of college sports. But, I mean, they've really gone all in with with the NFL. Well, I mean, they pay – you know, their their agreements with the cable companies to carry ESPN are tied a lot to the fact that, you know, hey, ESPN has NFL games and it gets them placed on a – it gets them placed on, on – in more homes and on lower packages. You don't have to buy a special port, sports package to watch ESPN. And so that benefits them with everything else they broadcast. And so, you know, it's not ne- maybe necessarily vital – Although maybe they lose too much money on the NFL, you could argue, but it, it's vital that the NFL is a viable product for them. Hmm. Okay. Well, this is a thought that just entered my mind. Okay. Yeah. ESPN is owned by Disney. Dis uh, and you just rattled off how how uh, when you look at the ratings during the football season, Monday Night Football, despite being the quote unquote marquee game in the eye of the public generally is towards the bottom of the top 10, correct? I mean, I, I, I would have to look at the numbers. I would have to see where it slides in the ratings. Okay, but, you know, but regardless, having, it's, having, it's, generally, having, it's generally behind that Fox or CBS game of the week, right? It is, it is generally behind, and like Sunday Night Football will be the highest rated program on television, but that's because it airs, like, NBC has that primetime game every week. Fox and CBS rotate. Exactly. And it's not necessarily every other week, but, you know, they get their eight or nine or however many games that they're promised in their Sunday window, uh, the the feature game. And that's why that's why and folks get mad about this because they like to watch the Red Zone or they like Sunday Ticket, and folks ask all the time, well, you know, how come there? You know, if if there's if everybody, let's say everybody's playing in the NFL and open, or there's thirteen NFL games because you have the the primetime games and whatnot. Why are there ten of them at noon and then there's oh god that drives me and then insane. there's four and then there's four of them in the afternoon. Well, because they're trying to steer you to a particular game to watch. If the Cowboys and the and the Packers are playing, and it's on Fox, they want you to watch that. But yeah, ESPN's in an interesting spot because they're still trying to carry on uh, the lineage of you know Frank Gifford and and Howard Cosell and Al Michaels and well, and you John, talking and, on the and John Madden? You talking on the lineage? That is what I'm getting at. ESPN owned by Disney. Yes. What other network does Disney own? They own ABC. Exactly. Hey, but what if, what if, what if, and hear me out, what if Disney decided because they wanted to get those eyeballs back onto ABC, what if, what if they decided to take Monday Night Football back off of ESPN and put it back onto ABC the way it used to be? Well, the, the, name, the, the dynamics at play. With that are a couple of things. Not that the NFL wouldn't want more eyeballs. I mean, when ESPN does their playoff game, like last year it was the Titans and the Chiefs, the, this year it was Houston and, and Indy, um, they simulcast it on ABC because it's a playoff game so that you know everybody can watch it, even if you don't have cable, which I don't know who doesn't 
or you know they have some sort of service to be able to get ESPN. Uh, but like I said, those games are very valuable to ESPN, not just in terms of, well, you and I watch it, and they can go say, well, hey, you want to advertise on Monday Night Football, you want to advertise uh, your your mayo chup or your, your, your chicken hot tub, and they say, oh, well, you know, uh, the Titans played the Texans a couple weeks ago on Monday Night Football, and, and four and a half million people watched it, or whatever the numbers are. I mean, I'm assuming more than four and a half million people still watch Monday Night Football. Well, let's say five million people watch an NFL game, right? That's still a lot of people, oh, even yeah. if it's not the highest rated thing. Like, ESPN's found a way, like those really crappy low-tier bowl games like the Boca Raton Bowl, ESPN's found a way to monetize that 750,000 people watch that. So 5 million people watching something is still really good. But 5 million people watching something on ABC is not as valuable to Walt Disney as the company as it is 5 million people watching something or even no people watching something, but you have the rights to it on ESPN because they're not just selling ads as you would on ABC or Fox or NBC like we talked about before, they have contracts where the cable companies carry ESPN. Those cable companies pay a royalty, basic, basically, um, based on how many people, or, or based on how many subscribers Comcast has, which is in the gazillions, because mm-hmm. Comcast is everywhere. Yep. So it, it's not that it's it's not that simple. I mean, it, it might help get it might help them get better games, but then ESPN is losing its number one revenue model is that they can charge cable companies $8 a month per person that watches ESPN because they carry NFL games. So, I think they're actually going to try to get football back on ABC, but it's going to be the Thursday night package. Okay, yeah, I could could see that. And and then... ABC slash Disney slash ESPN could have the best of both worlds. You start yes. you start your football week with us, and you end your football week with us. Yeah, because I kind of, you know, on the entertainment side of things, I kind of see Shonda Thursday kind of winding down. Cause which, like, which is a shame, because when the NFL actually gave a shit this year, we had a really good slate of Thursday night games. Well, the, they've put an effort into making the Thursday night games better now that they're not exclusively on the NFL network, and the games that were getting put on the NFL network just to say we have games are now being given to ESPN. So, I mean, the the, the pecking order is the the, four, the 4.30 game on Sunday, then take care of NBC, then take care of Fox because they're paying money right now for the Thursday night package, and then, well, we got to put some games together for ESPN because they gave us a billion dollars. Uh, I know we can look this up, and if you don't know it off the top of your head, don't worry about it. Do we know when the NFL TV rights are going to be up for renegotiation? Uh, 2021 on Monday Night Football, I think 2022 for everything else. They may just do a deal for a year to kind of sync everything up. Hmm. That's going to be really interesting because it. I could see, like, a lo- I could see ESPN going in a lot of different ways if they realize, you know, it's nice to have all these eyeballs, but it might not be worth the price of admission that they had to pay. Because, I mean, like ESPN, for better or for worse, they they spread themselves everywhere. And now they're having, you know, some 
bottom line issues, but at the same time, you know, they're not going out of business overnight. I, I, st- I still think it would be worth it to them to be involved in the NFL, whether that is... Oh, they're definitely ES- going to be involved in some way. I just don't know if they're going to be able to hang on to that Monday night football marquee for much longer, because I could see Fox really going hard after it. Hell, I could see ABC... Well, no, ABC already owns it, but uh, is is already dealing with it. But I could I, like Fox. Fox, I think, is going to be a big player uh, for well, the NFL. Uh, yeah, and they're, one of the things they're ta- one of the things they're talking about is maybe getting away from dividing the packages by conference. Because right now, if if an AFC team is hosting the game, it's on CBS. CBS if and, an mm-hmm. NFC team Fox. is hosting, it's on Fox. There's some exceptions. They will uh, switch the networks uh, to get a game better, you know, distribution if it's a marquee matchup or whatever, or if it's a light week. And instead of CBS only having four games, they'll give them a game from Fox and it'll get, you know, more eyeballs. They do some things so more people can watch the games, some inside baseball business stuff. But they're talking about getting away from that, and I could see them maybe if they do that and it's not de- defined by the network maybe inviting ABC in because you have 32 teams and you could do I think you could divide a package between three networks on a Sunday afternoon or maybe ESPN gets involved with the Sunday afternoon the thing I really think is going to happen is eventually the Monday night matchups are going to continue to lose their marquee but they would still have value if the NFL network carried Monday night football and could you know lean on that lineage and there's less pressure for it to be really great games because again it's it's the league network just doing it to have games Mm. or espn hangs on to monday nights abc gets in on thursdays and they share because if abc has 10 nfl games and then there's another eight on the nfl network they're happy Oh yeah. So I don't know. Uh, the inter- the interesting thing going back to where this all started with Jason Witten though is is who ESPN puts in the booth. Yeah, uh, who do you go after and how much money do you offer Peyton Manning to be that person? You know, cuz you know that's who they want. I know that's who they want. I don't think Peyton wants to do it or I think he'd already be doing it. I agree. I think he'd already have been calling games and I think See the problem with the problem with ESPN, and the reason I think Jason Witten struggled is he got thrown right into the booth because they were almost trying to like capture the magic again, like the lightning in the bottle of Tony Romo. Yeah, they, ESPN was trying to make their own Tony Romo. So that- and there's only one, and there's only one Tony Romo, and also CBS worked very, very hard sending him and Jim Nance to call preseason games to get him ready, even games they weren't... Yes. Thank they, you they, so much for making that point. I, they they mm. they invested the money to send Jim Nance and Tony Romo to the Hall of Fame game. And there wasn't even room in the press box. They built like a hut in one of the end zones and did a mock production that never saw air so that Tony Romo could call games. Yeah, to get him reps. They they basically spent the whole preseason with Tony Romo working dark, man. letting him shoot with live rounds before it mattered. Now, see, I think if Peyton was interested in broadcasting, he'd already be doing it. He would be he would be calling games maybe for ESPN on the college football side, 
and you could put him on the SEC network and sure he would get attention. Hey, Peyton Manning is, you know, working the SEC network primetime game. But again, when it's with Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl and both teams are six and six, it's not as high profile as Monday Night Football. It's not the only game going on then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I get you. And and I do agree if Peyton wanted to do this, he would already be in it. Like, let's be honest. If Peyton Manning think, wants to do anything in football, all he has to do is say, I want to do it, and guess what? It's going to happen. And and Peyton is the perfectionist type that, I mean, like you are like you were pointing out with uh, with Tony Romo, they let him, you know, get the kinks out before they sent before they threw him out there unlike they did with Jason Witten uh and and I do think that Peyton would be that exact same way we wouldn't see Peyton until he felt comfortable and you know what in all honesty if Peyton Manning doesn't want to do it he isn't gonna because Peyton Manning can do whatever the hell he wants to at this point I think the Mannings want to own a football team hey Tennessee Titans come on home come home come home Peyton I think the Mannings want to own a football team and when Eli retires I think you will see them get more involved with the ownership of a team. And I think maybe that's why they're not doing broadcasting or it just doesn't interest Peyton to go grind what you have to do to be a broadcaster. Uh, I mean, as far as as far as uh, the Monday Night Football booth, though, um, I think you promote from within. I think if you cannot get Kurt Warner to come over and call the games, because he does a tremendous job on the radio calling Monday Night Football uh, with Kevin Harlan. I don't think I've ever actually heard him uh, do uh, do play-by-play. He did a couple of NFL Network games when they had the NFL Network games that were on Saturday. And then, like I said, he does the Westwood one that has the radio, has the radio rights to, to football. And, of course, you know, most people watch it on TV unless you're driving, driving somewhere. But he's called. He called the Super Bowl this year with Harlan. He and he and Kevin Harlan have worked together for a, a couple of years. I think he would be a guy. And if not, honestly, just like promote. You have like eight million dudes at ESPN, and I think sometimes the mistake people make is they think that you have to like hit a home run or you have to have these big marquee names. Like, even if it's just a stopgap. Like, I'm gonna use a wrestling term real quick because we're gonna talk some wrestling news here in a minute to wrap up the show. <laughs> Go get me a dude who has a high work rate. Yeah, so somebody who like he, wants it, somebody who's going to put in the reps to get it right. Like he's he's not like they're not flashy, but they're a good worker when you get him in the ring. They're the X Pacs. They're the uh, Sean Morley slash Valvenuses. They're the William Regals. They are the yeah. they're the Lance Storms. They're the guys that when you send them out to the ring, you know you are going to get a good ass match. That is and the you know, that you know is why the ES- floor. You know why ESPN's in trouble? Because they ran off a, you know, they ran off a worker in Jaws mm-hmm. in and, Ron Jaworski. And then they thought putting stupid Booger McFarlane in the Booger Mobile was going to be a great idea. What the yeah, hell you, was Booger, that? Booger, Booger McFarlane should be still working. Booger McFarlane should be working on college football. And, but Booger wasn't the problem with that booth. No, no, no. Booger was not the problem. And, and I don't want people to think I'm blaming Booger or the Booger Mobile. I just pointed that out because they put him in a Booger Mobile for crying out loud. I'd like to point something out here. The dynamics of how we do this show is I'm recording at my house. Landon is recording at his house. TriCaster has a raise your hand button. So, like, I'm just going to push it for effect, even though people can't see it right now. Oh, hey, I and can it see lets, it. it. Landon says, sees, sees him saying, hey. Hey. Or Landon can push the raise his hand button. Oh, and I can, see that, I can see that Landon has a topic. 
it's important not to step on one another. So what was the problem last year? Jason Would it be Witten's that everybody's at, talking on each other? Jason Witten's up in the booth. Uh, Joe Tessitore, who's trying to drive tra- direct traffic. Or, I think I think Joe Tess is great. Tess does a great a, job. He does a great job. Mm-hmm. He's got his two analysts he's trying to bring into the conversation and let talk, and nobody knows when they're supposed to talk because they're all in different places. And I can tell you, having been somebody who's been in that sideline reporter slash field analyst role on the radio doing high school games on a Friday night. It's really difficult when you have, and God bless Lisa Salters because it's a four-person booth at that point, it's really hard to make your point edgewise when you can't look at your play-by-play guy and tap him on the shoulder or look at your other analyst to have the conversation to give the nonverbal cue that you want to talk. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like if you're asking me, like I'm not gonna punt on Booger because there's nothing wrong with him. He can be in the booth and you can have a three man booth. Except the going... Booger Mobile. Get rid of the Booger oh, Mobile. The Booger Mobile. The Booger Mobile. <laughs> the Booger Mobile is gone. I. But just like, why did you think that was that a was good a idea total... to begin with? Like the thought process behind that. Just that God. was a total invention because allegedly Jason Witten had it in his contract that he couldn't be in a three man booth because he has an ego because he's a douche. Wait, no, shut up. Yes, that's the rumor I've heard. What? Uh, the the rookie green broadcaster had it in his contract that he couldn't be in a three-man booth. Yeah, I refuse to believe that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, and I'm the queen of England. But seriously, like, give me Lewis Riddick, or if you really yes. want to shake things up, if you re- it's, this would be a... Big risk. Bring back really Tony Cohn- Kornheiser. If you really want to shake things up, and I don't think you should do it because I think they're so ingrained with the fabric of college football. No. Fowler and Herbie. Oh, my God. Oh. Only if they would stay doing college, but oh, oh my God. I, you can't you, you can't do the Sunday night, the Saturday night football game and be prepped to do Monday night well, football. Then, well, then the you're going to have to find another crew because you leave, you leave them alone. They're perfect where they're oh, at. Yeah. Like, like you throwing out Lewis Riddick, I think that would be uh, that 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 has to be the guy that ESPN makes tell them no from within. Because I mean, if they, like if they, if like they, he he is going to be the next big guy that goes from broadcast from the TV side back, whether it be a front office job or into the booth. Like Lewis Riddick is going to be a big player in professional football going forward. Or if they did, if they really. I think they'll go with a three-man booth, which I think the three-man booth is overrated. Like, I think you have a play-by-play guy and an analyst, and you're fine. I could I could deal with Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane calling games. Like, I don't care. That'd be okay. Or, or, or Joe Tess, and if you just move Booger back to the studio or whatever you want to do, like, I would, like, Randy Moss, Lewis Riddick, I don't care. It's, it, at this, I, 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 of all people, you would think me being in the business would tune in and worry. I don't watch the game for the announcers. I've never once thought, oh, I'm not going to watch this game because of who's broadcasting it. I might turn the volume down. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what the mute button's for, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and hell, you grew up a Tennessee fan. uh, It wouldn't matter who was calling the game growing up. It it, could have been the best call on TV. We're turning that crap down. We're turning John Ward up. There you go. There you go. 
All right, so before we wrap it up, uh, some news, a couple of news items out of the wrestling world I thought was interesting. Uh, Jim Ross, the Hall of Famer, and the WWE have officially parted ways, although they've kind of been on an icy relationship for a while. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but he's done some spot work for them. Uh, but, you know, I think people are out of their mind. I, I, I don't understand why... Vince McMahon has let himself get so far away from what the core of the WWE is, which is wrestling and booking a wrestling show and why they've put in 18 layers of middlemen who don't know what the hell they're they're doing and they try to write a wrestling show like they're writing freaking a, a freaking scripted comedy. Mm-hmm. Or or uh, even worse, uh they they'll they'll script everything not like they're trying to write a comedy they'll script everything like they're writing a really bad wrestling show because I'll be honest like woof the WWE product has been rough here recently and that's a shame because if you if you know anything about wrestling this is supposed to be the marquee time of the year we're supposed to be on the road to WrestleMania and I've had very few feelings where it feels like, you know, we're on our way to the biggest show of the year. But yeah, even though he hadn't really had an on-camera role in the last few years, the fact that Jim Ross and WWE are parting ways is kind of a big deal. I mean, yeah, he's not dealing with on-air, but I mean, like Jim Ross's mind from in the backstage area, like if I was WWE, I would keep him on uh, on you know payroll just for that, just to pick his brain. But and also, I would I would keep him on the payroll to keep him from going to a certain upstart because that is where the rumors are going. Jim Ross might be taking his talents to uh, borrow a sports phrase down to the state of Florida to Jacksonville to sign up for All Elite Wrestling. That would certainly be interesting. That would be a big coup for him, and he would kind of be going back to sort of where it started because he really made a name for himself after his early days in Mid-South mm-hmm. uh, calling uh, WCW uh, for Turner. Um, it, we, could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast on this, Dawes, but it just amazes me how the WWE... And look, it's fine. If you want to have the studio, you want to have the performance center... You want to have all this stuff that you think is going to elevate your product and, and like diversify your brand? That's fine. But you could just tell it like wrestling's overproduced now on the WWE side. And even worse, it's overproduced by people who don't really know wrestling. They're TV people. Like back in the day, like the Monday Night Wars, right? Like at the height of the Attitude Era. It was what? Vince Russo and Vince McMahon that wrote everything? Pretty much, they were they were at the, that, they were they were I guess the uh, st- checks and balances of the writing crew. But I mean, like back back in the Attitude Era, Vince Russo was there, but everything started and stopped, much like back in the Attitude Era, right through today. It starts and stops with Vince McMahon. And well, I, no, I understand that, but I guess what I'm I'm, I'm getting at is. There was a smaller circle of people. Okay, yes, yes. That that is very true. Yes. And now it, some... nowadays compared like creative is this like I remember watching a WWE network special where it kind of has like a behind the scenes view and they and we go into the writers room. 
there must have been like 25, 30 people in there. Like, okay, like, I do think, you know, getting different ideas can be good, but at the same time, like, maybe pare it down a little bit, because it's like, like, the phrase too many cooks uh, is a is a phrase for a reason, and when I see that many people trying to write two hours, three hours, you can only do so much if 30 different people are trying to get over their ideas and you only have such a set amount of time. Yeah, and then also those people. Oh well, you can't have Jim Ross. You can't have Jim Ross calling your matches. He sounds like a redneck. Well, and and especially nowadays, it's like uh, Michael Cole is practical, and uh, Tom Phillips guy on uh, SmackDown Live. I mean, like they're getting told what to say through their headset from the people in the backstage area, which is Vince McMahon, and they're uh, in this day and age, like the play-by-play uh, announce team. They're practically just mouthpieces for what Vince wants to say and also advertisements to, you know, remind you to subscribe to the WWE Network or, you know, um, uh, we're trending worldwide at uh, hashtag uh, Monday Night Butt Plugs is trending number one worldwide or whatever. Where back in the day, Jim Ross would call, you know, honest to God moves in the ring. He would tell you when Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, hit a Luthez press or when Kane came off the top for, for his rope. He called these as opposed to, wow, look at that move. Be sure sure to su- uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I hope that AEW or, yeah, All Elite Wrestling, AEW. I think they do realize this because I think they're trying to present a wrestling program to a more uh, hardcore audience. I don't think they want to discount the casual fan. I think they know if they put on something that's entertaining, the casual fan will show up. I think you're but right. they want to serve. They want to serve their base. And it, every time I listen to Jim Ross talk about wrestling, it's so simple, right? So Dawes, let's say you and I are in a wrestling feud. We they're gonna they're gonna pair us together. We're gonna work together. Well, let me tell you something. I'm gonna come and get you in the cage. Yeah, gonna climb the roof. Oh, sorry, sorry. We're pretending. Go ahead. It's real simple, right? You have something I want, or I have something you want. No, I have something you want because let's be let's be fair. If we were ever to meet in the ring, there is no way you're going over on me. Well, okay, so we could argue over who... Well, it doesn't have to be. It's not rocket science. We can argue over who's more over, right? What Chris Jericho and, and CM Punk had a fantastic feud about who is the, truly the best in the world. But brother like Hogan in the 80s, I'm going over at the end. Hogan's got a pose. Hey, hey, but it's simple, right? You have something I want. You're in my way. I'm going to do everything I have to do to get what I want and it's going to be in the lens of either you're a heel or I'm the heel and I'm the con you know mm-hmm. it's not hard it should like, give, be give people a framework and let them do I mean good guys versus bad guys has worked since the dawn of time for a reason it's the all these TV shows that are so good it's real simple they just tell a story this is the, this is the person. This is the person you're supposed to be invested in and care about, and this is the conflict they're dealing with. All you got to do, like wrestling's even simpler than that. All you got to do is explain to me why I should care about Rab versus Dawes in Hell in a Cell, and then have a really good match. 
Not that hard. Or again, it shouldn't be that hard. Now, speaking of storylines, last thing we're going to touch on today before we wrap up the R&D podcast for this week, which, man, it's amazing how we have meandered all over the place in the last hour and a half. Hey, dude, that's what a podcast is for. Yes, 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 yes. But you you shared this with me earlier. You just want to read the tweet you sent me about uh, Fox and the WWE? Yeah, it's a story from ringside or uh, ringsidenews.com, and the headline is Fox encouraging WWE to produce edgier content and, quote, stop giving in to PC culture. Uh, now, if, if you were a wrestling fan back in the mid-'90s during the Attitude Era, as it's lovingly referred to, that was TV 14. That was back in the day where all the ladies were showing their boobies and Stone Cold Steve Austin was giving middle fingers to everybody and giving uh, uh, his boss the stunner and drinking all the beer in whatever town they were in. And, you know, they were doing some edgier content. Uh, After the unfortunate real-life tragedy of the Chris Benoit stuff uh, and some... Sponsors starting to lean a little bit heavy on the WWE for the content that they had been cranking out. And also, uh, I think there was a parents' rights group or something that got up in arms. After hearing all these complaints, WWE decided to dial back their content and go from a TV-14 to a TV-PG rating, which they've stayed in to this day. And that's actually become kind of a big selling point for their business model is, you know, their fun for the whole family. Well, here recently, uh, Fox Broadcasting bought the television rights to their show SmackDown Live, which will start airing on Fox Live Friday nights, and it will be on Fox, the main Fox, at least initially. It might move to Fox Sports eventually, but for the initial launch, it is going to be on main Fox Friday night live and because of that Fox being Fox they do tend to skew a little more edgy there's reports from ringside news saying that Fox has gone to WWE and has tried to uh, not saying outright to go back to TV uh, 14 but to maybe be a little bit more risque a little bit more edgy and and they use this quote, uh, what was it? Don't give in to, or stop giving in to PC culture. I, like, it's that- That's the part that made me roll my eyes, because that's totally like some, like, Fox News, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity culture war. And crap. this is the point where I was going to say that part of the headline and the story is complete garbage. Go ahead and get that out of there. But I do think it's interesting that if, again, this is a ringside news uh, story, if this is true... I think it's interesting that Fox has gone to the WWE and said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, work a little bit blue. Maybe, maybe don't go, you know, uh, MFers or whatever, but, you know, work, work, you know, a little bit more adult because, I mean, like, if I was Fox, I would want to be bringing in all the eyeballs I can. And as somebody who pays attention to the ratings of uh, WWE, they're not doing super great. So I, so I wouldn't be surprised if Fox has come in since they signed this deal with WWE and they've seen the ratings on SmackDown kind of not do great. I wouldn't be surprised if they've gone to them and be like, look, we know this is what you've been doing, but now that we gave you billions of dollars, maybe you should do this. So I do think it's going to be interesting because like I said, the PG element is a very big selling point as a whole for the WWE because they consider it, you know, fun for the whole family and stuff like that. 
And it's going to be interesting because Raw is going to be on NBC Universal and SmackDown Live is going to be on Fox. Those are two competing broadcast networks. So I'm curious if we're going to see a PG product on the Raw side and maybe an edgier product on the SmackDown side. That's what I was wondering is you have the bl- you have the brand splits. You have the SmackDown brand and, you know, they have their heavyweight championship they have their world championship they have their for lack of a better term i don't know what they call it now what they have their mid-card championship an intercontinental u.s uh, u.s is on smackdown ic is on raw yeah and they have their own women's championships Mm -hmm. they have their which tag as well tag they they have they have each roster has their own belt they could uh, each roster in theory could operate completely independent of the other and and, yes. and for the most so part, I wa- they do. I wonder if they'll try to have the best of both worlds because, again, when it comes to doing a pay-per-view, for lack of a better term to call it, super card, but they're still technically pay-per-views because I think you can still buy them on cable. But you know, technically, you, you can, but yeah, network? it's nine ninety nine a month. Uh, the super cards. They're the kind doesn't I mean you don't want to go over you don't want to shock people with what they're used to seeing but and then again I'm expecting America to be smarter than America is oh well uh boy are you gonna be in for a rude yeah <laughs> but could you not you could have the best of both worlds right because you could have the Smackdown show on that's on Fox and I don't think I, I think people overstate that the WWE got bad with just because it went to PG no, TV no. PG <laughs> Uh, I I think just that being the whole equation, right? That simply, oh, well, they changed the ratings and they're not edgy and the Attitude Era ended. Well, Austin and The Rock and and the guys who made the Attitude Era, the Attitude Era also went go do other things. Mm -hmm. They retired from full-time in the ring. The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin could still bring down a house. They could do a TVG show and they could bring down the house because well, they're The Rock and they're Stone Cold Steve Austin. But but them being The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, they're going to go out there with a the live microphone. Do you think they're going to keep it, G? Well, you, you get the point I'm making. <laughs> I know. I'm just giving you So I, I do. I do again wonder, can you have the best of both worlds? Can you toe that line or giving Fox a little bit edgier project, a product that will maybe get some more eyeballs, maybe appeal to a different demographic, and then also have the kids show for Raw? Well, and another thing that I think is going to be a very interesting dynamic when the split of Raw and SmackDown does happen you're going to now, if you're the WWE, you're going to now have to keep both NBC Universal and Fox happy. And Fox just gave you a crap ton of money. What if Fox comes to you and say, we want this list of superstars and they're the top guys on Raw? Do you pull them from Raw to SmackDown? Okay, well, you pleased Fox. Now NBC Universal is going to be pissed off, and you don't want to piss them off because that's where Raw's been for you know, with the exception of the TNN years, that's where Raw's been forever. Well, I think the thing there is you hope that you have enough talented guys, guys that are marketable, that will deliver a good product. I don't think you have. I think if you can deliver the product that satisfies Fox. And again, we live in an era now where what there how many 
channels on cable? There are hundreds, right? Uh, I think the last number was 1.7 billion. Yeah, exactly. There, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of channels. There's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's all these different ways to consume content, which we could do a whole show on, on AEW and and why I think they're going to just tear it up, and I think they are going to end up with Turner and the dynamics they have there, not only with putting shows over the air, but Streaming. on cable, but uh, the, the BR Live app. Um, if, honestly, in this era, in when you're talking about nationwide television, basically every ratings point is about a million people. It may have changed since the last time I heard that, but I heard that listening to a, a, a Heyman podcast one time. So on Friday night when when SmackDown's gonna air on Fox, right? Like they're not gonna be a happy just getting a one rating. No. Because it's not cable anymore. <laughs> and they paid a lot of money. But if what, two and a half, three million people watch it on Friday nights, it's not gonna be awful, right? Like I don't know how how many people watch Smack Raw and SmackDown right now. Oh let's just say two million people watch it right now and it's on cable, right? Let's just go with that. Let's just it, this is a hypothetical conversation. If if 5 million people were watching it and Fox still wanted it to grow and they wanted to grow it to 6, it'd be the same thing. Um, so as long as you're delivering a number that can allow Fox to sell the ads at a rate in which they can make their money or it's a good enough loss leader to lead into other shows, then they're going to be fine. That's the point I was trying to make. Okay, well... Uh, uh, regardless of what the exact numbers are. All right, uh, I haven't been able to find what uh, WWE has been pulling, but uh, I-, I did mention SmackDown Live is going to be going to Fox on Fridays live, 8 to 10 p.m. These are the type of numbers that Fox is a- currently sees. 8 p.m. Last Man Standing, 5.93 million viewers. 8.30, The Cool Kids, 4.65 million. 9 to 10 a.m., Hell's Kitchen, 3.08 million. So, like, is it fair to say that Fox might be, like, floor-wise expecting 3 million? Maybe so, but here's the thing again, right? So if you're gonna put, if you're gonna put, uh, they're gonna put. No wait, they can't do that because they only program two hours. Uh, that's the problem with that. Uh, from eight to ten Eastern. If it was a traditional network and they programmed from eight to eleven, you could put Last Man Standing and the Cool Kids on first and have it lead into SmackDown and hope people bleed over. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. or or do what UPN did back in the day and use SmackDown as a lead into other shows that they want built up. But again, before they did that, they would have to make sure and see that SmackDown is a rating draw, like they spent money that they think it's going to be. Or are they looking at it and they're saying, "Hey, if we can get two or two and a half million people to watch it, and we don't have to produce it, we just have to air it, and it fills a slot on Fridays." Because you remember Fox sold their a lot of their assets to Disney. Oh yes, I am very very well aware. Being part of a other podcast that is nothing but Disney stuff, I'm aware of that. <laughs> yeah, they sell a lot of their assets to Disney, even though Disney's going to have to sell the regional sports networks back to somebody. And oh my God, the idea that Ice Cube has is horrible. But that's another. That's going to have to wait for another episode. Um. Fox is, is looking at more 
reality and sports programming. So if you move Last Man Standing to another night, if you move it off of Fridays when SmackDown launches, which I'm assuming SmackDown's probably coinciding to launch when Last Man Standing is going on a season hiatus. I want to say last I saw it's rumored sometime in the August, September, October window is when uh, is when it's going to launch on Fox. Okay, so that makes sense. You launch it in August. That would be it's early for like fall prime time to launch, mm-hmm. and then you can move you can move Last Man Standing around because they're only going to program two hours a night. They're going to stop doing that. Uh, and there's already talk. They're talking a lot about with Fox of having several nights a week where instead of tuning into uh, watch scripted programming or even reality programming, putting sports on TV. So. On Thursday nights, on Friday nights, on Saturday nights, you tune into Fox, you're going to see Major League Baseball, uh, Thursday Night Football, NASCAR, uh, boxing, uh, the WWE replacing UFC went to ESPN. So, again, the the threshold for that where you're paying for the rights, and especially with wrestling because the WWE is still going to handle the production of the show, maybe the threshold is not... Five, not three million. Maybe it is, and maybe the WWE thinks being on network television they can get there. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, that is a big, big point you just made, for, especially on the Fox side. This is something they don't have to produce. This is something the WWE is just gonna take care of them, take care of them every week. It's just like, just make sure you open the feed, and we'll take care of eight to ten. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. I, I do think, though, they may be finding that sweet spot, and maybe they find a sweet spot, and once they kind of figure it out with uh, SmackDown, maybe not a full return to TV 14, and maybe not a full return to the Attitude Era, but maybe they find a way to be a little bit edgier, and maybe that eventually incorporates itself on, on Raw as well. Uh, but it, it's certainly an interesting thing, and then this is all going to especially be complicated once AEW announces its television deal I, uh, for the highly rumored yeah. Tuesday Night Dynamite. And and I do think, like, whether or not AEW succeeds, and I personally agree with you, I do think AEW has the players and the resources in place to succeed. Whether AEW succeeds or not, I do think... AEW is having an effect on WWE. Like, I've been reading so many reports that uh, apparently WWE is going to superstars whose contracts aren't up now, but will be up soon, and they're trying to lock down a whole lot of people. Like, again, I don't know if they're going, if AEW is going to succeed, but people in the WWE are treating AEW like the threat I think it needs to be treated as. The WWE was at its best when it always had competition, yep. whether it was in the 90s when WCW went full national or even going back to the, the quote-unquote federation years when they still had to contend with the strong contingent of the NWA, when the NWA was still a force in wrestling through its various territories, be it Jim Crockett or Mid-South or what eventually became part of of Crockett down in Georgia or, or the other places that, you know, the NWA operated uh, world when, when, you know, world class over there in Dallas. Uh, the W, any business, but especially wrestling's better when there's competition and real competition 
with all due respect to whatever the hell Impact is still doing. Impact is it. it, it at this point, I think Impact has finally found its nice niche. It stopped trying to be competition to the WWE or WWE Lite. They realize what they are. And I'll be honest, like, they're, uh, they put up Impact on online. It's not bad. They have some damn good in-ring workers. There's uh, one girl, uh, Jordan Grace. I am super a big fan of Thick Mama Pump. She might be my favorite female wrestler right now. No, no offense to the man, Becky Lynch, but I dig me some Jordan Grace. Hey, so with that, Dawes, I think we're going to call it a podcast for the week. Yeah, that, that feels like a good idea. It seems like a good stopping <laughs> point. We're at a high point. We had a really good conversation on the backside after we talked about food and mayonnaise. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know why I separated food from... I don't know why I made mayonnaise a separate category from food. Because anyway. as we already established, mayonnaise is not a food. It's a, it, it's, it's a god-awful condiment. I like me some mayonnaise. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let, let's do our plugs. I'll let you plug your stuff, and then I'll close out the show. All right, uh, twitter.com slash landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can find the latest from me, 280 characters at a time. Also on our website, buttmunchchips.com. Buttmunch chips sit on your button munch. That's where you can find... The as of now exclusively posted Game of Thrones talk, aka Got Talk, where myself and Hunter East break down each episode of season seven of HBO's award-winning series Game of Thrones. But I do have a very special announcement to make. Game of Thrones talk, aka Got Talk, will be returning for an eighth season with myself and Hunter East, and maybe another person. And we're going to be in the iTunes by God store, so you can check that out uh, there. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review for the R&D project in the uh, iTunes store. And I'm also up here on a, another podcast, the Monday Morning Monorail. If you're a fan of the Walt Disney World Resort and all things Walt Disney World, be sure to give that a listen. Uh, I have a Walt Disney World trip coming up, so I'm going to be appearing on there talking about that. And... Uh, I guess uh, listen to the Phil show? Sure. Yeah, why not? Uh, News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 6 to 10 Monday through Friday. AM, that part. I'm good at this. Hey, there you go. <laughs> hey, you, I'm, of course, Will Rab. You can follow me on Twitter at RabWill, R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L. I am the sports director at WCDT in Winchester, Tennessee. And while that might be interesting to you if you're listening to this podcast, as I do do a sports talk show, uh, based on uh, Tennessee and Southeast primarily uh, sports Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to noon Central Time, and that is also in podcast form. And there are links to download those podcasts on our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for WCDT Radio, soon to be in the Apple iTunes podcast. Hold store up, did as you did well. did you say the name of your show? Because I didn't hear that. It is off the bench. There we go. That's important. Off the bench there with we Will Rap. So, uh, check that out if you want to hear more of my thoughts on the world of sports, which not to uh, coincidentally like this podcast are a rambling stream of consciousness <laughs> approach to the show. Imagine that on all the shows I host, we just kind of ramble and see what happens. Hey, it's the magic of radio, everybody. All right, Dawes, say goodbye to everybody for the week. Goodbye, Dawes. And goodbye to all of you. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Again, don't forget to uh, rate, review, subscribe uh, to the R&D Project on iTunes. And we will talk to you next week. Five stars or GTFO. See ya!
Up in horsey heaven, here's a thing You trade your legs for angels' wings And once we've all said goodbye You take a running leap and you learn to fly Okay, that doesn't help me at all. The preceding was a Butt Munch Chips production. For more episodes and information, please visit buttmunchchips.com. Butt Munch Chips. Sit on your butt. And munch.